we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, and I was just saying that at this rate, we're going to be doing this forever, but that's fine. I think that's kind of what life's all about, so, you know, seeing Christ and seeing him more and more, especially in the Old the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a testimony of Christ in every every way, shape, and form, or, or maybe a better way to say it is a testimony of God's eternal purpose in Christ, through Christ, Christ as everything and in whom we find everything and apart from whom there is nothing. Uh, all of the Old Testament speaks of that. So so here we go. Um, the time before, we were talking about um, the fall and the lie. Specifically, I think we spent most of the time talking about the lie what the lie was, how the big deal um, for uh, Adam and Eve and for all of humanity that that followed them wasn't it wasn't just an act of disobedience that God punished people for, so that everyone you know everyone's born as the the, the concept of original sin is often thought of as just being you know this universal punishment for a single man's transgression. We talked about how God relates. To, to that, that Adam simply became something, fell short of the glory of God, became a man who was governed by a contrary nature, and and uh, and reproduced according to his own image and likeness, and filled the earth with his kind. So it's not like God is just like arbitrarily punishing people for something bad that happened thousands of years ago. It's uh, it's that we are Adam. And, and Adam specifically is a man who a kind uh, uh, that that not only believes a lie as as facts like wrong information, but has come to see and appreciate, understand and desire and everything all through a lens that is this lie. So we looked at that, and right after that. Is uh, well, first you see, you know, they let me see here in Genesis 3. Um, yeah, they go and they hide, and we talked about the covering of the fig leaves. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of just kind of bringing us back to speed here, or bringing me <laughs> reminding me what we talked about so I can kind of pick up where we left off. But anyway, so all of that happens the fall. The lie, the fall, this change, and 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 then in the end, the, the second part of Genesis chapter three, we have what's uh, called the curse. What's I mean? We have this three-part, or it's it's one curse, but it has these three distinct aspects to it. Okay, and 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 the main thing that I see here. Is well, I want to talk a little about, about a little bit about what a curse is, but what? But before I get into that, let me just say what what I see happening here is a change in relationships. Okay, something is different now. Something that was before the fall, before the lie, before sin, things were one way. Okay, and now after the fall, after the sin enters the picture, uh, after man refuses the uh, the tree of life, uh, there's a dramatic change, okay? 
something that was not part of the original picture, the original shadow, happens. So uh, let me say, first of all, what is a curse? I think we have a whole lot of weird and probably inspired by books and fairy tales and uh, whatever ideas about the the word curse. I think, I'm not sure what you guys think of when you think of the word curse, what comes to your mind immediately. Uh, you know, I, I think most people kind of think of it as something that God does, like actively puts a curse on you. It's almost like a magic spell. I'm not sure if there's a, that's a great word, but it's, it's, it's kind of like that. It's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you think of, I mean, I know in the church I've heard all the time, like, especially in the charismatic church, this may not be very popular in, in some of your backgrounds, but in the charismatic church, it's often, it's popular to talk about how, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so has this country or this city or this person or this family has a curse. So how do you know? Well, because, you know, all the men in their family have died in their 50s of a heart attack. Or, or, or this city has a curse because it's flooded 14 times in the last 100 years, you know? And they say, like, it's got a curse over it. And I think what people generally think of when they think of curse is, like, some kind of a... It's like, it's like God or Satan or some witch or someone has, like, you know made some kind of special brew and and uh, I don't know I'm making stuff up but but just some kind of like cast some kind of spell over that uh uh that that person or city or whatever well I don't think that has anything to do with what a curse is or how god you how how god understands the word curse or or what what curse means in the bible a curse isn't something that God puts on you because you're because you're bad. I, I think it's more or less, it's a it's a when, when God pronounces this curse in Genesis chapter three, I, I, it's more or less just proclaiming, declaring a consequence or a change that has happened as as a, as a consequence of us changing position, so to speak, in our relationship with God. Okay, it's a condition we put ourselves in. God declares the curse, but 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 man brought the curse upon himself. In fact, man man actually put himself in a position that is cursed. Okay, he's more or less just declaring a fact. So it's not what I'm trying to say is that this word curse, and 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 it's the same way throughout the entire Bible. I don't think we should think about it as like God casts casts a spell, you know, like a blessing is a good spell, and th- these two words are contrasted with each other, blessing and curse, you know. And what's a blessing? What's well, a good? It's like a good magic spell, and a, a bad or a curse is a bad a bad spell. And my kids are screaming outside my door, but um, so. In the garden here, I don't think, in a sense, you could say God didn't really change anything. What happened was man walked outside the boundaries of blessing into a curse. And, and God is here declaring the change. Okay, it's the same thing with Israel. Remember um, in Deuteronomy, when they're about to go into the land, God says, I set before you today a a life and death, a blessing and a curse. Well, how did they how did they live in the 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 uh, the blessing? You know, they had to 
abide in the land which represents Christ and live by the covenant which represents Christ also. I mean, every aspect of their covenant, from their sacrifices to their feasts to their whatever, was a picture of Christ. And the land itself was the, the land of their rest, the land of their dwelling place, their, the place where God was going to establish his name and his temple and all that. So they had to come into this land and walk in this covenant and they would experience the, the blessing and what was the blessing? Every aspect, every single aspect of the blessing was a picture of Christ too. Like what? Well, victory over flesh, victory over uncircumcised flesh, increase, harvest, freedom from slavery, uh, eternal covenant, eternal dwelling place. All of these things uh, were, were, were pictures of, of, of things that Paul says now are spiritual blessings that are all in Christ. And, and they're, they're yes and amen in, in him. But, so, so what was the curse? So God says in Deuteronomy, I set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. And, and then, so, uh, so he, he presents that to them and, 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 and outside of the boundaries, if they were to go outside of the boundaries of that land where everything was going to be a natural type and shadow and picture of Christ and that covenant which offers them a relationship with God that was a picture of relating to God in Christ relating to God as our high priest relating to God as our as our death our sacrifice our offering our our fragrance i mean all of those things that are involved in that covenant if you go outside the boundaries of the blessing what are you going to find well you're going to find the absence of the blessing, which is the curse. Again, it's not a magic spell that God casts on bad people. It's just the absence of God. It's the absence of Christ. It's what exists outside the boundaries of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, they're not, again, I have here, curses aren't as much an active, like, spiritual attack, you know, by the hand of God. It's just the natural result of stepping outside of, of, of God's established relationship. And, and this is kind of how I think you see, uh, other places in the, in the, in the Bible. Let's see here. Like, um, uh, like Galatians chapter one. Uh, Paul says, um, uh, I might have it here in the notes. Hold on. Uh, yeah, Galatians chapter one, uh, starting in verse six. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who has called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not really another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so we now say again, if anyone preaches to you another gospel other than what you received, let him be accursed. Now, Paul, again, Paul's not He's not, uh, you know, stirring up some witch's brew here and, and pronouncing magic spells. Paul is, is again, just establishing the boundaries of blessing and saying that outside of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, guess what you're going to experience? You're going to experience a curse. You're going to experience the absence, the, 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 the total absence of uh, all that God makes available in his Son. And he and God paints a lot of natural pictures of that in you know in in the old covenant when they broke the covenant what was the result you know I mean there was death outside of the boundaries of the covenant when they left the land just like the story of uh, Ruth starts 
with the fact that the family of Naomi had left the land uh, looking for food, looking for life. And what happens? Well, her husband dies, and then her two sons die. And we start reading that story, and we think, oh, that's just really bad luck. No, it's not. They walked out of the blessing, and the result was the curse. And so the whole story is about them coming back into the land and finding again in Christ their redemption, their life, their increase, and all of that. So... Again, I'm trying to just establish these two words because as you, wherever you find them throughout the Bible, I mean, there's even some strange scriptures. One that just popped in my head was that one where, where Saul, King Saul, remember, remember King Saul, you know, for a little while kind of walked according to the covenant, but then he started to basically become his own covenant and fight his own battles and, 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 uh, and then it says that there's this weird scripture of an evil spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. And, you know, that scripture is, is weird, and I'm not going to pretend like I can totally explain it. But, but, but to me, it just kind of seems like the Lord establishes the boundaries. I mean, you could say that the evil's from the Lord, or you could say the good's from the Lord. But, but it's, not, it's, not like a, it's not like God's like handing out demons or something. It's just, it's just like, look, here is this perfect place where you can live in, in, in security and in, 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 with increase of the kingdom, with life, with victory, with a harvest, with plenty, of, with provision, God-given provision, with everything. And, 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 and here's, here's the condition of it. Just stay, just abide in my son. Just stay there. Live in the land and live by the covenant. The covenant is just the relationship. Okay, Live according to this relationship and stay in Christ. And and. and and those who go out, you could say that death came to them from the Lord, or curse came to them from the Lord, or 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 a demon came to them from whatever. But I, it's again, it's a choice, uh, their choice to walk outside the place, the person in whom all of God's blessings are yes and amen. So, uh, anyway, getting back to the garden here in Genesis chapter three. I don't think that God is really like avenging himself by declaring this curse or or, or doing anything like that. I think he, he's just saying, here's here's the result of what what's happened. You know, something huge has happened here. Man has made the first break with created purpose. Man has stepped outside of uh, of of purpose. Everything until now has has been created and is aligned with God's view of his eternal purpose in Christ. The trees did it really well. The the seeds and the growth of the plants that did it the, the animals were doing it, the sun rising every morning, you know, the whatever. Everything had in natural creation, I mean, the monkeys were getting it done. Everything was was aligning with God's created purpose for creation until now. And now there's this huge change. And now here God begins to describe the change. And 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 um, and, and, and I'm going to try to describe to you what I think is going on here in, in these three aspects of the curse. But I, like I always say, let me just say it again, just to say it. You know, I, I always say things like this understanding that I have a uh, a small view and I don't I'm not trying to be dogmatic about it I don't want you to like write this all down and like memorize it and like say okay now I understand the curse don't do that 
I'm just trying to describe a thing, a, a view that I think I've seen in a, in, a, in a couple of flashes of light in my heart where the Lord opens my eyes. But but it's it's not the purpose isn't to like figure out the Bible and understand the meaning of words and write down definitions and have good theology. The purpose is to to see Christ, to see the division between curse and blessing, to understand the boundaries of Christ as the place in which God uh, makes Himself available, and and to have that become a reality in our hearts. So you know, with some of these details that I'm going to say here about the curse, uh, you know, I don't take me too seriously. I think I think there, I think you know, I, I wouldn't share them if I didn't think they were some representation of reality. But um, I know my propensity to catch a glimpse of something and then fill in some blanks with the natural mind. I, you know, I, I know that I, 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 all of us can do that. So. Uh, I just, I always feel like I want to say that almost every time I share, but maybe I can say it one out of every 10 messages and that'll be sufficient for us. Um, okay. The three, the three aspects of the curse. There's, there's a part of it that has to do with a serpent and the serpent's relationship with the seed of the woman. That's, that's part A of the curse. Okay. Part B of the curse has to do with the woman, childbirth, and her relationship with the man. Part C of the curse has to do with the man and his relationship with the earth. Those are the three uh, divisions. And it, it, it seems to me that each of these aspects of the curse, all three of them, uh, have some have have a have a natural reflection in the earth, some kind of a natural expression. But more than that, there's something else going on. There's a spiritual reality that is that is at the same at the same time uh, the the bigger deal. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is God pronounces something and, and it has an immediate natural expression. Okay, like for instance, maybe the snake had legs before and now it doesn't. I I don't know. It crawls on its belly. That's a fact. Women hate snakes. That's a, generally a fact too there's a few exceptions that i know but you know i mean there's some kind of a natural expression in the earth but but then there's this spiritual reality i mean the, the whole bible is pointing to and speaking of spiritual reality some people say to me and have any of you asked me and and and, and it's, it's it's a very common question because we're so used to looking at the bible and thinking that it's like talking about natural lessons about you know the earth the bible is talking about spiritual eternal reality and of course there's there's a time that we have in natural vessels and there's issues of natural wisdom and natural relationships and whatever but to god and it should be to us as well the eternal and spiritual is the far more real and so uh, you know some some people say are you trying to spiritualize all this and and my answer to that is no, I'm trying to see the spiritual reality that is the reason that God wrote it in the book, you know, <laughs> because it's all supposed to be, it's all spiritual. Spiritual is eternal. Spiritual is eternal, internal. Spirit. God is spirit, and he wants to be known and worshipped and experienced in spirit and truth. And and that's for some reason that that just is 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 way too foreign to us. It should be much more. It should be much more normal in the church, in my opinion, to have a view of all things, all prophecies and and types and shadows and pictures and in the book of. Uh, 
more in the book of numbers now, looking looking at things in numbers in our in our types and shadows class here in 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 Costa Rica that I do on Sunday mornings. And uh, it took us three years to get the numbers, so that'll tell you how long this class is going to be. But you know, and we're and we're we're looking at these things, and and man, sometimes I just want to say, you've got to be a fool to think that this is talking about something natural. This doesn't even make natural sense. Are you kidding me? You know, like ripping apart a bird and putting its blood in an earthen vessel and sprinkling it on this and letting another bird go. And I mean, are you kidding me? Do you think God just liked to watch that? I mean, do you think that was just fun for God to watch you kill a bird, sprinkle his blood on another, dip it with hyssop into water, and then let it go out of an earthen vessel? I mean, is that really? Do you think that's na- Do you think that has a natural reality that was important to God in the earth? He didn't like that bird. I mean, what? What? What in the world? It's it's talk. It's a picture of something spiritual. Of course, it is. I mean, and you could, it's amazing to go through some commentaries. I mean, there's some commentaries that are really good at saying this is, you know, this is obviously a, you know, a picture of a spiritual reality in Christ. But there's other commentaries that try to explain all that stuff in some kind of natural way. Like, I don't even know what they do with that one that I just gave you. But when they talk about the offerings or the feasts or whatever, it's like God wanted his people to celebrate how good he was. So, okay. So exactly why then? Do they? I mean, pick a feast. Why then do they uh, take all the leaven out of their house and out of their whole territory and eat unleavened bread for seven days and kill a lamb and put this blood here and not there? I mean, there's just no way that that's natural. You understand what I'm saying? It's no way that God just likes dead animals or these. This is all pictures of spiritual reality. And it's just for me, honestly, it's it's sad and it's almost laughable that we're so naturally minded that we try to make this stuff have like little morals and lessons in the natural realm. Like, why did God flood the earth? Because people were bad. It's the same reason He flooded her, uh, 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 what you might call it, New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina. No, it's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. The, the 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 flood is a picture of the cross. We're going to get there. It's an amazing picture of the cross and a new creation that comes out from judgment and and whatever. So, um, okay, I'm not getting very far. Okay, so the first aspect, uh, the serpent, uh, the serpent seed and the seed of the woman. Well, again, the, the nat- there's a natural picture here. I think we can see in the earth. I think mean, I generally think it's safe to say that probably nine out of ten women are terrified of snakes or something and 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 and, and people do step on snakes uh heel or not heels people do strike you know the snakes or serpents you know crush them all the time uh i know a few stories of that that's happened recently it kind of makes me sad i like snakes but anyway um spiritually speaking what we're talking about here is Two different seeds. Okay, the seed. It doesn't even say that the serpent will strike the woman. It says, or the the woman will strike the you know whatever. When it talks about it, let me read it here so I don't mess it up here. They will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. It's talking about the seeds. So what? What are these two seeds that we're talking about? Well, I, I, you know, I think, I think a very common um, 
idea is kind of like it's demons versus people. The what's the seed of Satan? Well, the seed of Satan's got to be you know his little demonic horde or something. Well, what's the seed of the woman? Well, it's obviously us, you know. And 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 I just want to say to that, no, I don't think that's right. Uh, I don't think we're dealing with humans versus demons i think we're dealing with humans versus humans but 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 born of two different seeds you understand what i'm saying well I mean, we're talking about adam versus christ but 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 the war between them is inside of you it's not see it's not you versus some demon that's trying to come into your house it's the seed of the serpent versus the seed of the woman, which is Christ. Remember, in the garden, the woman represents the bride. What, we talked about that a lot. The woman, we spent a whole week, I think, talking about the fact that the bride comes out from the, the, the husband, the, the, the man, as this, this way, this provision for his seed to have increase. So we're, when we're talking about the seed here, we're talking about the, the seed of the man that, well, it's the seed that comes out from the woman, you know, but as the increase of the man. It's the increase of Christ. It's his, it's his increase. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. So the, 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 the seed of the woman is the increase of Christ. And, 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 and there's other pictures of that in the, in the, in scriptures as well. There's, uh, uh, the one that pops in my head right now is the one I, in Revelation, I think, chapter 12, where the the seed of the woman is is clearly a picture of Christ there. There's other places throughout the Old Testament where it talks about Israel or Zion kind of travailing and finally giving birth to this spiritual nation or this well it's you know giving birth to a nation born in a day and Christ is the head and and uh and 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 we are joined to him as this corporate people um but uh anyway what i'm trying to say is that the the seed of the woman here i think is the is the picture of of Christ coming forth, or the measure of Christ in us, or the the seed of that nature working in us, the growth of that seed, the seed that Jesus plants in our soul and brings forth an increase of thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. It's that seed. The seed, the other seed. What did Jesus call the Jews? Remember what he what he called? The, he said, "You are all sons of your father, the devil." He he wasn't talking to demons. He was talking to people who were governed by a different kind of seed, okay? Uh, you know, and we and I think uh, when we talked about the serpent uh, a week or two or four ago, I can't remember. We talked about all these scriptures that talk about how Satan is more than is presented in scripture as more than just an individual being, although he appears to be that as well, but also there is like this nature of sin or Satan that governs the Adamic man, that governs in the kingdom of darkness, the realm of darkness. It talks about how the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, how, how unbelievers have been taken captive to do his will. Uh, or even when Peter uh, was speaking out from the mind of man and said, don't go to the cross, that, that's, that's not for you, Jesus. Uh, God or Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan!" And so, so, so there's a seed of Satan, and there's a seed that is Christ, and the two 
that the two are at enmity. And this is this is part of the curse. This is part of the result of what's happened. In the beginning, there man didn't have this other. Man didn't have. I, mean, I don't know exactly how to explain this, but man didn't have this other seed, this satanic seed, this demonic seed, this worldly fallen spirit that works in the sons of disobedience until they swallowed the lie. Until they believed the lie and became an expression of another kingdom, of another king. And so suddenly, as a result, the part of the curse, again, not something that God is just doing to them, but something that they just did to themselves by eating the lie. God is pronouncing uh, this change, a change in relationship, a change wherein now there is an enmity between two different seeds, and both of these seeds work in people. Okay? And I'm not denying the existence of demons or, or Satan or any of that. I'm just saying that when you look through the scriptures, you're going to find that the, the way Jesus talked to, 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 to the Jews, the way that the apostles speak of the natural man, you're going to find that there's this wrong seed in all of us by nature, and that it speaks of Christ as this incorruptible seed. Jesus even described himself and his word as, as, as a sower trying to plant the seed and throw the seed and cause this seed to increase in us. And where's the battleground? Well, the battleground is in the soul. I mean, that's where the true battleground is between these two seeds. It's not a battle for financial prosperity or a battle for good parking places or politics. You know, that's not where the battleground really is. I mean, a lot of times people talk about the the enmity between man and and the serpent, and 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 when when they think about what Satan is really trying to do in the earth, it's all about like ruining their day. You know, I mean, I don't I don't really think that's where the enmity is. I'm not saying I, I mean I don't understand everything about Satan and sickness and all that stuff. I don't. I don't. I don't claim to understand all that, but, but I. But I will say this. I do think that the primary battle isn't just between Satan and you as a natural person trying to make your natural life bad. I think the enmity, the striving, the work of darkness or Satan is against the increase of the seed. I think that's where the war has been from the beginning, and I think the battleground is you. Okay. It's it's a battle for the increase of two contrary seeds, and the soul of man is the place where that that happens. So uh, ultimately, uh, Jesus is victorious. Jesus is the stronger of the two seeds. He's the one that crushes the head, as opposed to to bruising the heel, or or, or however exactly it says it in, in different translations. Some say bruise the head, some say crush the head. Whatever. He's the he's the one that's ultimately victorious, but. Here's the enmity, these two different seeds. Okay, The second thing here, uh, the woman's relationship with the man. Again, we have to remember what we're talking about. Uh, in the garden here, um, I, I, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, this isn't just any old man and any old woman. This is the man and the woman that God had al- has already demonstrated are, uh, as types of Christ in the church. And we've given some time to that, and Paul says that in Romans chapter 5, and Ephesians chapter 5, and various other places, that Adam and Eve were this picture of Christ in the church. So, again, the, 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 this natural curse uh, comes 
or, or this curse come, comes upon them, or they step outside the boundaries of the blessing, and they and, and there's a natural expression. What's the natural natural expression? Well, obviously, women do have uh, physical pain in childbirth. Uh, you could say it this way, because this is where I'm going with this. In other words, because of sin, because of the lie, there is now great pain, the pain of, uh, almost the pain of death, in order to bring forth a new life. There, there's a change there. Okay, or through great suffering comes forth the increase of the seed. Now, all, all, remember, we're talking about Remember what the relationship was like before the curse between Adam and his wife. Here we have this awesome picture of two in unity, walking as one. Remember, Eve is made, and, and Adam says, "Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh." You know, he calls her woman because she comes out of man. So the two are one, right? So there's this picture of harmony in the relationship. This re- the role of or the the relationship between Adam and Eve was this was this great relationship of union, oneness of mind and purpose and, and togetherness uh, without shame and all of that as, as Christ and the church. But see, now, suddenly, there's a change in relationship. Now, after the lie, after the fall, after sin, now the woman needs the man in a different kind of way and the man rules over the woman in a different kind of way. Okay, In other words, the, the, the relationship changed and the relationship between man and woman is no longer expressive of what God desired it to be originally. Okay. Now, there's natural expressions uh, of this that you see both in the earth. There's lots of abuses of this too and all kinds of things. But even under the law, there were natural expressions of, uh, of this that were part of the Old, Test- Old, uh, Old Covenant testimony. But it was not that way from the beginning. In the beginning, the two were one. He, he, he came out, or she came out from him as the increase of his life. But, so he was, he was, the, he was the, um, uh, the source of her, her life. And she was the way for his increase, you know. And they were one. There's no enmity, there's no lording it over, dominion, uh, governing in, in, a, in a ruling over kind of way mentioned until afterwards. Remember, I just that, that verse came to my mind. Remember when Jesus, they were asking Jesus about certificates of divorce, and he, they said, is it, is it okay to give your wife a certificate or to divorce your wife? And Jesus says, look, Moses let you do that because of the hardness of your hearts. You could have said, Moses let you do that because you guys were living according to the curse. You guys were living in death. But, what does he say after that? But it was not that way from the beginning. That's not the picture that God first painted. That was a result of the hardness of your hearts. This relationship isn't supposed to be what it is in the earth today. You know, This isn't a good picture of Christ and the church. The picture is all messed up, and you're the reason. The hardness of your hearts. So, anyway, so there's, a, there's this... All of this is a spiritual change. I mean, an expression of a spiritual change that has to do with spiritual realities. Here. Now, in order for life to come forth from the woman, remember who is Zion or Israel or the church or however you want to paint that, you know, there must be 
a death. There must be incredible pain. The, 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 you know, the, one way or another, well, maybe I shouldn't get into that. Uh, let me just say it this way. The bringing forth of the seed is now going to mean an incredible suffering, an incredible death. I, I don't know, and this is what I was about to say, I wasn't really was going to get into, but I think we've talked before, I'm not sure in this class or not, but about the fact that either with or without sin, Christ was somehow going to replace the, the, the first with the second. I mean, the eternal plan of God wasn't to have a natural earth full of nice trees and happy people. The eternal plan of God was to have, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, a people living in his Son, becoming the glory and praise of his name. Okay, so that's what God was going to do from the beginning. What you see here is that, that he didn't change his purpose, but in order for in order for that to come about, there was going to be a great pain, a great trial, a great suffering in order to birth that reality. Okay, and and Christ, uh, you know, Christ becomes the the. Well, he's the firstborn from among the dead. He's the firstborn among many brethren. He's the head that comes out of the womb of death. I mean, the whole earth. He had to be planted into the earth like a dead, like a dead seed, and then and then the whole earth travails and shakes. I mean, literally, it did. It shook the whole, the, at least Israel shook and travailed in in these in, in kind of like uh, birth pangs, you know, and and then. And then what happens? And then the head of a new creation comes out with a body joined to it. And, you know, I don't, I've never had a baby personally, but I've watched four, and I know the head is the painful part. I know that, you know. The head, once the head comes out, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little too graphic here, but I mean, you women that have experienced this, I know you, you, at least, unless, I don't know, unless you had a different experience than my wife. Once the head comes out, then the rest just goes poof, you know, and and uh, and the head is what really hurts. And Jesus is that head, that 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 one that bore in himself that pain, that that he was the one that had to go into the earth and and and, and the whole world, this dead womb, this like dead earth, like a womb travails, and and then out comes this head, and yet the head is resurrected life but he's attached to a body and who is the body we're the body and we come out through pain come out through death come out through suffering in fact even in our own hearts we have to in order to uh we have to die together with him and be glorified together with him we have to be crucified with him and experience that in our hearts and we have to live together with him i mean it's all it's also perfect and yet the way of it comes through Death comes through suffering in the birth of the seed. Okay? So because of the fall, you could say that now the seed could not come forth without... It could no longer be a painless birth. Okay? There had to be something put away. There had to be something killed. There had to be something cut off. There could not be a new life without a terrible death of, of what had fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? So that's the first part of, of this second aspect. Part. This is like... That's like... I don't know, part two, section A. But the second part of that curse is, is the relationship with the man. That changed too. Remember, Paul tells us that, uh, again, we're dealing with, 
when we're talking about Adam and Eve, we're looking at a picture of the relationship between the Lord and His bride, or God, or you know, Christ and the Church, or God and Israel. It's 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 God and His people. It's the thing that God created, the vessel that God created for His own uh, a, per, a suitable companion for His own for for the purpose of love and glory. Okay, love and glory. That's the whole. One of these days I want to do, maybe I, I need to get back to the blog. I've been really slack, slacking on it. But I, I, in my opinion, like almost everything that God has ever done is motivated by those two words, love and glory. But that's another subject. But anyway, but that's what the bride is for, love and glory. Okay, so anyway, the, the, bride, is, the bride is there. And, and, and so uh, the, just, just like... Eve's relationship with Adam now changed because of the curse. Now there is a change between the relationship of the Lord's bride and the Lord. In other words, the oneness, the unity that was the picture from the beginning is now over. And now the relationship between Christ and the bride, or between God and Israel, is one that has to do more with law, commandment. It's more of a master-servant relationship. It's the word dominion. It's not this. It's not this fluid living together as one that we saw in 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 the creation of Eve, or bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, or that we come to in Christ, where. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, really. I call you beloved. I, well, it says I call you friends, but the Greek word there is uh, loved ones or beloved. I call you by a different name. There's a change. The, the relationship through the cross was, was going back to the way it was from the beginning, but for, for a couple thousand, for several thousand years, the relationship between God and his bride, God and his people, or whatever, changed to one of master servant dominion law commandment it's the whole old covenant dispensation well, I'm try to avoid that word if i can because of ideas connected to it it's the whole old covenant covenant it's the whole old covenant basically where they had a relationship with god where he what does jeremiah say it's not the he says there's a new covenant jeremiah 31 31 there's a new covenant coming it's not like the old covenant where god led you out by the hand and told you don't do this and do that and you know it's a new kind of covenant where i'm going to put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my way it's something totally different so uh after this change now us, the bride, the church, Israel, whatever, had to cling to God, look to God for life and protection and provision and for all of their needs in a way that was different than before. Uh, and, and it wasn't too living and moving as one. It wasn't this full union of heart and mind and will. The relationship changed because of the curse and now the bridegroom is, is Lord over the bride in a way that could only be rectified by the cross. All right, third part here. Um, man's relationship with the earth changed. So here's the the third aspect of the curse. God then turns, first he talks to the serpent, and then he turns to the woman, and then he turns to man and, and pronounces the three these three things. And uh, and, and the thing with the, with the man, let me read it here. Um, if I can find the... He says... 
Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken. Dust you are, dust you shall return. Okay, so, another change is going on here. The ground, the earth, okay, now, 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 I, this is how I see this, and again, uh, take it for what it is, and don't take it for what it's not, okay, so, uh, the ground, man, what, what was the natural, what, well, what was the creation of God? It was the natural creation. For Adam, it was supposed to be this realm of his government, his increase. It provided fruit, it, it, the increase of the seed and all this. But but now, the ground is no longer this... Adam's relationship with the earth is no longer this lush garden just filled with all that God provided of fruit and life. The ground now becomes something that produces thistles and thorns. So, so, you know, rather than from from the natural point of view, first I guess, rather than man living living in this garden by this unbelievable overflowing provision of the Lord, now man lived by the sweat of his own labor. Man, uh, there wasn't this this uh, overflowing bountiful harvest that we see in the garden well, until they enter into the promised land and God begins to describe Christ in the, in the land, Christ in those kind of words, a land flowing with milk and honey, a, a land of rest. You know, he kind of begins to describe natural Israel as a type and shadow of Christ in that way. But, but anyway, the earth was no longer an expression of his rule. It was something he had to strive against and, he, and, and strive with and for little profit and little gain. And, and and again, what I see here is is a spiritual picture before. Uh, uh, I mean, a spiritual a spiritual picture that that we talked about before. That that um, well, again, Christ Christ represents, or the first man represents Christ in many ways, and Christ's relationship, or God's, the relationship between God and the creation, God and His creation, or I guess that's maybe the best language to use there that I can think of. Changed because of the curse as well, because of because of sin, because of the lie. The earth was created for his expression, for his harvest, for his fruit, and yet the the earth because of man's decision, because of the fall and the lie, the earth, the natural creation becomes something that produces very little of what the Lord is looking for. I mean, the fruit that produces very little of, of the fruit. In fact, in fact the, the natural, the world, and all that is in it became something, rather than bringing forth the fruit of his desire, it brought forth the thorns and thistles of the Adamic man, the expression of a different kind of seed. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so it, the earth became something, rather than being this beautiful expression of the government of, of the Lord, it became something that produced thorns and thistles, something he had to strive against. In fact, a few chapters later in Genesis, God says, I will not strive against flesh forever. I'm going to destroy it. And that, that's, when, that's one of the things he says leading up to the, uh, 
uh, leading up to the flood and, and that picture of the cross. But God, God's relationship with, with just like Adam's relationship with the ground, God's relationship with his creation changed. And now, you know, I guess I kind of see this as, as thousands of years leading up to the cross where God was striving against the hard, rocky soil of human Adamic hearts planting, trying to plant his seed and offer them, I mean, not in an internal spiritual way that happens like in the New Covenant, but but trying to find a people that would walk by faith, that would hear his word, that would turn their stony hearts to him. And, and in Israel, you can see, I mean, just over and over and over again how God describes his people through the prophets and even before in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, as a people of hard hearts, uh, hard stiff necks and hard hearts that would not hear, that would not turn. It was like a, a land that would not, fallow ground, you know, uh, the, the, the path that would receive the seed and the seed wouldn't grow because it couldn't find a place to grow, you know, and, and, uh, and, and that was, that was the case up until the cross. God's, God began to, you know, or Christ, or however you want to say it, you know, uh, the relationship between the Lord and the earth was a very fruitless, from his perspective, a very thorny and thistly relationship. Uh, a relationship where the hardness of hearts didn't allow very much. I mean, the, the stories of, of, of Israel are stories of such small amounts of. So I mean, so so few were the soft hearts and and the and the the hearts that walked by faith. So anyway, just to wrap it up here, um, the point is that Adam and Eve stepped outside the boundaries of the blessing, and 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 right into the world of the curse, right into the realm of the curse, and, and everything changed. A dramatic change, you see it in the serpent, you see it in the woman, you see it in, in the man, and all of it, though it has all of it, though it has a natural expression in the earth, has a spiritual reality that would be only rectified through the cross. The cross becomes the solution to all three. If we had more time, we could look at this, but the, the cross becomes the solution to all three of these issues. It naturally and spiritually, it kind of. I mean, it doesn't like. Well, I don't know. It's the it's the victory over the serpent. The cross is, you know, it's the way that the head was crushed. It's the it's the bringing together of of the bride and Christ in a way where it's no longer master and servant. It's it's a way that God actually plants John chapter twelve plants a seed into the earth and actually gets a harvest of Christ, an increase of that seed. It's the it's the cross is the way that every aspect of this uh this this curse is 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 changed how 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 the way into the garden of eden in type and shadow language is opened back up again the cross is the flaming sword that is held by the cherubim that guarded the way to the tree of life and 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 it and it has to cut it has to kill to let you in it, it doesn't you know, the cross didn't make the flaming sword go away. The cross became the way that the flaming sword cut down one man and, and, and gave you another. And and so, <clears throat> yeah, I guess I'll probably leave it 
leave it with that. But you know, think on your own time and just think think about just these three different categories that we've talked about and how every single one of them has their perfect solution through the work of the cross. The cross just does it all. And uh, okay, so let me stop the recording.